Hey, welcome back to Cultural Reset, everybody. I'm Aurora. And I'm Maddie. We're so glad to have you listening this week. We've got a great episode for you. Thank you to everyone who asked us questions about COVID so that we can ask our expert later this episode. It's our first guest, and it's actually my dad. Dr. Henry Blumberg, expert in infectious diseases. Specifically tuberculosis. For those of you who are interested in tuberculosis, because I'm not. We all have different interests. But to start off today's episode, before we get into the thick of COVID-19, we are starting a new segment here today on Cultural Reset. We are going to be doing some generational confessions where Aurora and I will expose things we did not know about um, pop culture. So I will have to say I had a pretty embarrassing moment and then I had a total millennial moment. I would say my millennial moment this week, though, was finding out BuzzFeed is not cool anymore. I don't know how you didn't know that. I was talking to one of my friends and I was sent her an article to BuzzFeed and she was like, are you 30? And I was like, LOL, what? And she was like, no one's been on BuzzFeed for like five years. Yeah, I feel like after Facebook got flooded and all those tasty videos a few years ago, we all got tired of it. I thought we were all on the same page about that. But I, I check BuzzFeed like almost every day, at least two to three times a week at a minimum. Aurora. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to find my pop culture news just from Snapchat now. Do people actually read Snapchat news? Um, I, that's how I keep up with all of like the hype house drama. Oh my God. And then my embarrassing moment this week is I may or may not have pre-ordered and picked up the day it came out. Midnight Sun, the most recent Twilight book. Um, is that a new is it a new book in the series or what no it's the first book but rewritten as edward cullen as the narrator no wait <laughs> so you're reading the same story no it's a different story though because i'm only halfway done so no spoilers but there's like different scenes that are included that wasn't in the original twilight book plus the original twilight book is only 500 pages and this one's 670-ish, I believe. How is it so longer? So there's a lot more for content because I saw this tweet today on a BuzzFeed article that someone sent me. I know, the irony. That was like, oh, it's because Edward Cullen never sleeps because he's a vampire, for those of you who don't know. And so that's why there's more writing because he's awake 24-7. Wait, was this actually written by Stephanie Meyer or was this another like fan fiction situation like Fifty Shades Grey? No, this is Stephanie Meyer has been working on this for years and all of my twihards out there you know who you are respect know that she actually the first 12 chapters of this was leaked years ago i do remember that and then she got so upset that she stopped working on it and then she picked it up again and then earlier this year she announced that she was coming out with it and i pre-ordered it the day she announced wow honestly i don't know how it turned out that you are the twilight obsessed one and i didn't get into it at all I feel like it should be the opposite. It really should, because I don't really like fantasy or sci-fi, but there's something about vampires and werewolves fighting over the attention Wait, of the most... say werewolves again. Werewolf. Werewolves. Werewolf. No. You say wolves? It's a werewolf. Wolf. I think I have a hard time saying the letter L. Werewolf. <laughs> but it's a werewolf. Wow. 
but okay. there's just something about it. The chaotic energy is what gets me. I'm here for it. I'm glad I'm glad you have that in your life. Thank you. I, on the other hand, this week, um, had another couple of, of embarrassing moments. Number one, I learned that Boney Vare is not a person. He that's a band. No one in the band is named Boney Vare. Do you know what Boney Vare it is means? No. So Bone Iver, B-O-N space H-I-V-E-R means good winter in France. In French, not in France. But they spell it, they don't spell it with an H. They drop the H because the H is silent in French. Oh. So I think they Americanized it. So people wouldn't be like, who's Bone Hiver? That's fair. We would do that. I I think a lot of people pronounced it Bon Iver for a long time too. So that's probably the right call. How many people is in the band? I knew it was a band, but like how many people are there? I don't know. There's... Three or four, like four or five or five or six or six or seven. I don't know. Legal teams on it. There's, There's like nine. seven. Currently there nine. are seven and they're used to, there are four past members that are no longer members. So at one point there was 11. Or they like swapped out. So on the Taylor Swift song, is it the whole band or just the lead singer? I don't know. That's why I thought it was one person. Well, she could have done Brandon Yeary. You know how she, for me, she did Brandon, like featuring Brandon Yeary from Panic at the Disco. Brandon Yeary, by the way. Br- whatever. <laughs> but she did that as if people didn't know who he was. So I feel like if it was just the singer, she would have just said Justin Vernon from Boney Bear. So the whole band must have been a part of that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Boney Bear is not a person. It's a band. Another thing that happened to me this week was I cried when I thought TikTok was going to get banned, so. You would. I would, yeah. I mean, listen, they already took Vine away from us. They can't take TikTok, too. The government did not take Vine away from us, though. They, as in the universe, took TikTok or Vine away from us. I did not manifest Mm -hmm. that. Well, that is true, so. If we lose TikTok, it'll it'll be bad for me and a lot of people, so. I think it could cause a higher voter turnout. That's probably true. I mean, even just the threat of it, I feel like is going to cause a higher voter turnout. If there's anything that Gen Z loves, it's TikTok. Yeah. So much gets done on that platform. Like you're taking away more than just like dancing videos. I've learned so much from this app. So it just goes to show you that this app is probably honestly, I think such a versatile social media app. People are like organizing on there, like protests and digital protests. Like it's it's more than just a dancing platform. So that's why I cried. And now for a special episode of Asking for a Friend. We have a very exciting guest with us today, Dr. Henry Blumberg, here to talk about COVID with us. Yes, Dr. Blumberg is a professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Emory University School of Medicine and is a professor of epidemiology and global health at the Rollins School of Public Health. Positions including the director of clinical and translational research training programs at Emory and he's had multiple grants with the NIH, and he's also the co-author of more than 150 peer-reviewed publications. Yes, thank you so much. It's great to be with you today. And I hear you don't do interviews that often, so this is an exclusive. This is my first podcast. It's a big deal. Okay, so... As you guys know, we asked on our Instagram account, if you're not following us at Cultural Reset Pod, what you would want to know as a Gen Z or a millennial or a zillennial about COVID-19, how to best protect yourself and vaccines was a big question. So before we get into it, let's first talk about behavioral questions. 
So first, should someone wear a mask? What do we think about that? Uh, Yes, it's really important. If you go uh, outside of your home, you should be wearing a mask. uh, And it's important, especially when you're going to be indoors. And if you're going to be in a situation where you cannot socially distance, which means being more than six uh, feet from someone, uh, you should be wearing a mask and the other person should be wearing a mask. And there's a lot of good data that this is an effective um, intervention in preventing um, transmission of uh, the virus that causes uh, COVID-19. And what's um, unfortunately uh, in the United States, uh, this has become a political issue uh, on whether you should or should not wear a mask, which is really, really crazy. Uh, and it's uh, unfortunate that it's been politicized um, because it's, it's really clear that uh, wearing masks is important. The other thing um, is that people need to avoid large crowds. And so um, it becomes a very dangerous situation when a lot of people, a crowd gets together and is very close together. And so you want to avoid large crowds um, and uh, you want to wash your hands also. So people are emphasizing the three W's, um, which is wash your hands, wear a mask and watch your distance. Stay six feet away. Love that. I like that. The three W's. Those are very good things that I think we should all be keeping in mind. Definitely. So if someone is going for a walk in their neighborhood or a run in their neighborhood, do they need to wear a mask then? Uh, Not necessarily. So it's probably a good idea to take a mask with you. But if you're walking in your neighborhood or you're going for a run, generally... you should be able to socially distance. So as long as you can, you know, socially distance and stay six feet away from other people, you don't um, necessarily need to wear a mask for that, but you should take a mask with you in case you end up in a, in a situation where you may not be able to uh, socially distance. That makes sense. Do you think that face shields make a difference? I, that's a good question. And, um, you know, I, I think... In certain situations, it's pretty clear that it's good to use face shields. So if you're um, in a situation like working, if you're a healthcare worker working in a hospital, it's generally now recommended that you wear goggles or a face shield. Uh, For the general public, um, I think in most situations, you probably don't need a face shield. But if you're going to be in a situation for a prolonged period of time where you may not be able to social distance, in addition to a mask, then you might want to also use a face shield. So would that be something good to wear to an airport, maybe, if you're having to travel? Uh, yes, or even on the airplane. It wouldn't be unreasonable to have a face shield along with your uh, mask. You still need a mask. So the face shield, I would say, is additive, but it doesn't replace the mask. Mm-hmm. So moving on to vaccines. When do you think we will have a vaccine? What is your timeline that you think? As we've seen, Dr. Fauci has said end of this year or early 2021, but when do you think we'll yeah, have there, a vaccine? There are a number of studies uh, underway to um, investigate or determine whether uh, uh, certain vaccines that have been developed are uh, safe and efficacious. And so a uh, number, overall, there's probably more than 100 vaccines that are being looked at, but there's several 
what are called phase three studies, which are these larger studies that include thousands of persons to look at whether the vaccine works. And so it really depends on the outcomes of those studies. If those, if, you know, some of those studies uh, pan out, then there could be a vaccine, I would say probably in early 2021. So if somebody were to ask you, oh, I've been asked to be in a vaccine trial, would you do it? Well, you have to determine if you want to take, you know. But would you do it? If like Moderna said. I mean, it's, I think each individual has to decide. I mean, you're doing it not because you're getting an early chance to get the vaccine because half the people in the study are, are going to get a placebo. And they're not going to get the real vaccine. So you're doing it because you want to, you know, help out science. You want to help out the population to, you know, determine whether these vaccines w- work or not. And so I think you have to determine, um, you know, you have to kind of weigh the, the risks and the benefits. And uh, there, in most studies, there may be no benefit to you. Uh, but you may be, you know, performing basically a public health service by participating in the study and which will um, provide information and data on whether the vaccine actually works. Mm. Are those trials safe or is there are there certain qualities that would make someone a better candidate for a vaccine trial? You know, you, there's three different stages and by the time or three different phases rather. And by the time they get to, uh, you know, phase three, there's already been some safety data, but, um, you know, there could be more rare uh, side effects that aren't appreciated until you really test this in a very large number of people. So, you know, there's always risks and benefits and you kind of have to uh, weigh that when considering uh, if you want to be in the study. And the other thing is they, the the sponsors of the study will come up with criteria. So they'll have certain criteria that would allow somebody to be in the study and they would have certain criteria that would exclude somebody uh, from being in the study. Well, I will let my mom, who is thinking about doing one of those trials, check out that criteria. The, the other thing is with the vaccine is, you know, I think everybody thinks, oh, if, the va- if we have a vaccine, it'll work perfectly. But the thing is, not every vaccine and really no vaccine is 100% efficacious. So uh, some vaccines are very good. They're like, you know, in the high 90s percentiles of, of working. But there's other vaccines like the flu vaccine that, you know, are often 50%, sometimes less. So um, it's not a for sure thing that if the vaccine works, that it's going to be a perfect vaccine. Again, I don't think we really know until we have the data, but the FDA has put out criteria for what they would approve. And they've indicated that the vaccine would have to be at least 50% effective for them to approve it. Do you agree with that? That should, Or do you think it should be higher? Well. If you're going to get a vaccine, it would be better to get one that has a better, is much better effective. But I think they're just starting with 50% because right now we have nothing. You so know. do you think it'd be good to have a, like one that's 50% and then a year or two, we all get a second vaccine that's at 75 well, or 80? Is that possible? That is possible. The other the other thing is that there's multiple vaccines that people are looking at. So it's possible that multiple vaccines could get approved and, you know, they're probably not going to have equal efficacy. So, um, you know, if one is much, much better than another, you, you obviously want the better one. The other challenge is once, um, you know, assuming we find a vaccine that has good efficacy, 
There's also a big challenge of, of scaling up um, the number of doses because you need, you know, hundreds of millions of doses or billions of doses if you're talking about globally. But I think it's likely that we'll end up with multiple vaccines. And there's some efforts going on now uh, to produce uh, the vaccine even before we know if it works. So the, the government is supporting companies, several companies to make lots of vaccine now, even before we know if it works. If it doesn't work, they're end up throwing it all away. But they want to have uh, um, as much as vaccine as they can. So if it does work, they have the vaccine that, that can be distributed rather than waiting um, to then start ramping up production. So do you think the United States will have the first vaccine? No, they may not have the first vaccine. Um, Apparently in Russia, they may have a vaccine, but it probably hasn't been really tested very well. And who knows if it works? You know, China's working on the vaccine. I think that there's a vaccine um, from Oxford University, and they're they're partnered with a a pharmaceutical company on that. And they're um, probably the furthest ahead. So, I, you know, I think there's a lot of activity in this space. There's a lot of studies going on and probably, you know, early next year we'll have a much better idea and we may have some vaccines. The other issue is nobody really knows how long these vaccines are going to, you know, if they do work, how long um, does the immunity last for? And will you have to get boosters kind of like the flu vaccine every year you have to get a new shot. Is there a certain amount of people that will have to get the vaccine in order for it to be effective? It's estimated that in order to get what's called herd immunity, where there's enough immune people in the in the community, is probably around 70 to 80 percent. So a lot of people are going to have to get the vaccine or have already been infected. Uh, and probably less than 10% of the United States has been infected so far. So, um, you know, that's a very large uh, number of people who, who would have to get um, the vac- who would have to get a vaccine. And different people may get different vaccines because there may be multiple vaccines available. Uh, um, but that that's going to be another challenge because I know there have been um, like Gallup surveys and other surveys uh you know, asking people, would you take the vaccine? And what I've seen is at most 50% Americans said they would take it. So um, we're going to have to do a lot better uh, than that. So So if we have a vaccine that's 50% effective, do you think we can start resuming normal life again? I think it's going to be a while before uh, things go totally back to normal. And I think people have been saying, oh, you know, we need a vaccine. That'll solve all our problems. I don't think it's going to be that quick. I think it's going to take time. The vaccine may not be perfect. Uh, there's going to be challenges to vaccinate enough people. Um, and so I think, you know, look look at the mass. It's been totally politicized. I suspect the vaccine's going to end up being politicized. Do you see a future where everything goes back to exactly the way it was before COVID? Or do you think, like, are people going to be wearing masks during flu season from now on or anything like that? Or on flights. Yeah. That's something to consider. I really, you know, people, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot more transmission of illness on airplanes than people say there is. Um, but I... I I think people are going to be wearing masks for a while on airplanes. Yeah, I do. Okay. So I guess 
why is it important for people like Maddie and I who are a zillennial and mm-hmm. we're under 30, we're healthy. Mm-hmm. Why is it important for people our age to take COVID seriously if there is such a low death rate for young people? Well, I think it is important because you, um, you know, you live in a community and your actions um, affect uh, not only yourself, but other people, including people, you know, in your family, your friends, and as well as people you don't even know. Um, so you're right that, you know, younger people are at less risk for um, getting more severe illness, but that doesn't mean they're at no risk. The other thing is young persons have parents, they have grandparents, and so if they get infected, they may infect their parents or their grandparents who may, you know, who are older, who may have pre-existing conditions that put them at, you know, in high risk groups for having, you know, severe disease or for dying. So I think, um, you know, it's important for young people to think about their community, their family, uh, and others. I'm curious about this. If one person has very severe COVID symptoms versus someone who has mild or no symptoms, do they have different levels of immunity or the antibodies different or is it the same? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, the, the thing that's kind of unusual about this virus is uh, the sp- spectrum of disease it can cause. You know, the spectrum is incredible from people who are asymptomatic to people who are severely ill to people who die. So it's, uh, you know, I think the reason for that is not at all understood. And so there's still a lot we don't know about it. But as far as antibodies, I mean, I think that's a good question. So um, I don't think the answer is totally in on that, uh, um, on whether people who have asymptomatic disease, um, you know, are there is their immunity shorter or not as long lasting? I We just don't know the answer to that yet. I guess one day we'll find out. So what are your thoughts about working at a university that has decided to do in-person classes? Yeah, I think it's going to be very challenging. Um, um, not And probably at the university, you have more options and you have more support and infrastructure than say like a, a school, like K through 12. I think it's going to, you know, I think it's going to be, it's crazy that these schools are going back to class in areas where there's really high rates of community transmission. I think it's one thing is if the community, you know, has uh, controlled um, the infection, you know, not eliminated or eradicated, but if they've suppressed it, then I think you have a better chance of succeeding going back. But you know, going back to school in the midst of um, high community transmission, I think is just asking for trouble. And you're going to get people, you're obviously going to get people coming in who are infected and they may not know it. Uh, I think the younger you are, probably the more likely it is you have asymptomatic infection. And some of these schools don't require a face mask. And you, you, you've probably seen these pictures that have gone viral from some of these schools. I think there's one from Paulding County, here, Georgia. And here in Georgia. Yeah. Um, and they showed the hallway. It was just like a normal, normal day in the pre-COVID era where it was packed with students. You know, the large majority didn't have a mask. Uh, you're indoors. It's very crowded. Yeah. There's no social distancing. I mean, you're just asking, there's, there's going to be an explosion. I mean, you know, and, there's going to be cases. And the students that posted that, they got suspended. Really? 
Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it wow. came out today that the That's ridiculous. school suspended them. That's crazy. They suspended them for basically telling the truth. So I think that's a really unsafe uh, situation. Uh, and, and there's going to be an outbreak in that situation. I mean, there's no doubt about it. With regards to the universities, you know, it's a little bit different situation because uh, a lot of universities like at Emory, they, I think, are requiring everybody who comes in to be tested at baseline. Um, so that'll tell you how many people are infected on that day. It's not going to tell you, you know, the next day or two days or three days from that. You know, I think some of the classes are going to be in person if they can socially distance. Um, you know, you need a really big space to socially distance six feet in all directions. You know, so I, I think a lot of these schools are trying it. I, I, I think what they can't control is the student behavior outside the classroom. And are people going to congregate? That's kind of the natural thing you do in, in college, right? Congregate, hang out. Party. Uh, party. Yeah, yeah parties. Um, I think if that happens, you're going to have outbreaks. There's already been like a bunch of outbreaks and fraternity parties and stuff like that, like hundreds of people infected. There was a big outbreak at a camp uh, in Georgia that got investigated by CDC and they had hundreds of people infected. I, I My sense is um, in areas where there's so much community transmission, like the U.S. has not done a good job in controlling transmission and it's widespread and it's at high rates. I, 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 my sense is that um, you're going to have transmission because these people are not in a bubble. You just have to look at these baseball teams. You know, there's been several outbreaks in these baseball teams. And I, my sense is probably not going to go well, but we'll see what happens. I'll, you know, I'm not the decider and I, there's a lot of competing reasons, I think, why they want to do this. But mm. I think it's going to be very challenging because I, you may be able to control the behavior in the classroom. And then some of the classes probably are going to be online. Like the real classes that are, are large are probably have mm-hmm. to be online because you don't have a big enough room to socially distance. But um, I think it's the issue is going to be um, behavior outside of class. And I think it's really hard to control that behavior. And are, are people going to really do the three W's? A great question. So we actually had a call, an upcoming college freshman DM us and wanted to know that their school is going to be in person this semester. Do you think they're going to be there the whole semester? Or do you think a lot of these schools will be shut down? You know, they're, they're going to have transmission. I mean, there's no doubt about that. There's going to be cases. The question, I guess, is how much? So if they have somebody die, I have a feeling they'll shut down. If they have hundreds and hundreds of students who get infected, I suspect they'll shut down. Mm. You know, if they have a few cases and people get better, then they may keep on rolling on. Kind of like baseball right now. They've had like two outbreaks in two teams that are still rolling on. I think there's, there's some kind of critical point when you reach that, then they may shut it down. Do you think college sports will be able to proceed? I think they may try. I think it's... Personally, I think it's not going to go well. Like, like if you're trying to play football, I don't really, I don't, you know, it's, to me, it just seems like it's going to be a disaster. But it is a, a big moneymaker for a lot oh, of Oh, it is colleges. a big moneymaker. And I think that's driving a lot of stuff. Um, but I don't really see how they, if I had to predict it, I would predict they're not going to get through the whole season because they're going to start having outbreaks. I guess we'll see what happens. I heard the University of Connecticut has canceled uh, football. I think I saw that um, too. But, you know, most of the big, you know, SEC, the other big uh, college sport um, leagues uh, have not. 
And so I guess we'll see what happens. The thing is, you know, if you crowd people together and you don't so- socially distance them, this virus is very, you know, infectious and you're going to you're going to have spread. And, um, you know, with a football team, I think, you know, you're right in somebody else's face. I think it's going to be challenging. And again, you know, they're not doing this in a situation where the virus has been suppressed. Like the United States, you know, has been pretty much catastrophic failure in in uh, controlling this, uh, especially if you compare us to Europe or other, you know, countries um, with similar, you know, socioeconomic status. We're clearly um, doing the worst. What about schools with younger students? A lot of people think that kids can't get or spread COVID. Do you think it's okay for schools to not require younger children to wear masks? Um, well, first of all, I think, you know, we, we're learning now that uh, children can get infected and they can definitely spread um, the disease to other people. Um, now, the children may not, especially younger children, they may not, they're, you know, it's unlikely um, for them to get sick you know, younger children to get sick, but they definitely can get infected. They definitely can spread the disease. Um, And there are some children who, after they had infection, and they might not have even known they had the infection because they had no symptoms, but several weeks later, they got really sick and ended up in the hospital. And a few, unfortunately, have died. And they developed uh, kind of an immune system uh, response. So they, they basically, they're immune system kind of went haywire and, um, you know, um, basically started attacking their own body and they developed a lot of inflammation. Um, And this is not real common, but there have been hundreds of cases of this in the United States. So occasionally, um, you know, these these children can, you know, result in in, uh, getting an illness that that is not not good. Having them wear masks, you know, I, it probably depends on the age of the child. If they're really, really young, it may be hard to get them to wear a mask. And it's really hard. You know, young kids, you know, you're talking like four, five, six, seven, may not be possible to really get them social distance. You know, they're just kids like to go to each other, hug each other, you know, play with each other. And especially for the younger children, they may not understand, you know, why they need to socially distance. And so I think that's going to be really challenging. The people who are probably going to be at risk are going to be the teachers, the staff, the bus drivers, you know, the adults around them are the ones who are going to be at risk because I think these children can uh, transmit to the adults. Is there anything other than wearing a mask and washing their hands that teachers can do to keep safe? I guess a, a face mask. Yeah. You know, um, a mask and a, a, a face shield are, are two things. Um, Again, I think it also depends on what's going on in the community. So right now, uh, you know, if the community transmission is really high, it puts everybody at much higher risk. If you've suppressed most of the transmission, you're reducing the risk. So I think, you know, you can think about opening the schools when you have community transmission under better control. But what's what's going on right now is that uh, they're trying to open schools in areas that have extremely high rates of transmission. So right now, like Mississippi, Mississippi on a per capita basis has one of the highest rates of transmission in the country right now. And they're trying to open up all their schools and not necessarily require masks. And so I think you're just, you know, there's going to be transmission in those kind of settings. So I think people are kind of kidding themselves that nothing's going to happen when they open the schools because it's it's going to be an explosion. And it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if Aurora remembers when there is the uh, 
H1N1 pandemic, swine swine flu. flu. Oh, I remember swine flu. And it just kind of exploded in August, yeah, uh, which I, is kind of an early time for, you know, influenza transmission. But uh, I remember that because Aurora's mom was out of town and out of the country. And I got the swine flu. And she got the swine <gasps> you flu. Did? I got yeah. the swine flu. Yeah. You, I remember having to get a test. For, and she was home for about a week and like... Uh, that Tamiflu was hard to find. Yeah. So, but anyway... It, it really, the cases kind of exploded and at least in, you know, the South where school started early, like in August, um, mm. you know, after a week or two, there was just a, an explosion of cases and Aurora got, got it. We do have some general questions for you too. A couple, a couple of them are myths that people have been talking about. Yeah. So some okay. people say that the virus is never going to go away. Um, I think, you know, we, we don't really have all the answers. Um, and some people say that and it may be possible. But what do you think um, as an expert? You know, hopefully whether it completely goes away, you're talking about, you know, eradication, which is kind of unusual. Um, so it may be unusual. I think it can be, you know, suppressed. Um, and also if there's a, you know, a highly effective vaccine, that would be very mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so it may, the other thing is whether we can achieve herd immunity. So there's things we can do. So even if it's around, you know, it won't have as big an impact as it's having now. The problem is right now, this is like a novel coronavirus, never been seen by humans before. Nobody is, you know, immune to it, uh, unless they've gotten infected recently. Um, you know, there's no pre-existing, um, uh, you know, immunity, everybody's susceptible. And so, you know, I, it's going to be here for a while, whether it's going to always be around, I, I don't really know. But I think, you know, hopefully there's steps where we can make it less likely uh, to get infected, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So my doctor told my mom that a lot of patients who have more severe symptoms are really low on vitamin D. Is there anything to that or is it a case of correlation, not causation? Yeah. Um, if, you, if you check levels of vitamin D in people, um, many people will have low levels of vitamin Including D. Me. So I don't really think... You got to take some vitamin D. I take uh, my supplements. Vitamins. They're very important. I... So, but I don't really think there's any clear data that, you know, people with low vitamin D levels are more susceptible to get more severe illness. So I, I don't think that's anything that's been proven. Uh, I haven't seen any data on that. Mom, if you're listening, myth busted. <laughs> we want to know, the last one is, do you think hydroxychloroquine helps people no, with COVID? It does not help. It, there you have there it. Have been, <laughs> you heard it here first. Been, you heard it here first. Myth they, busted. They shouldn't even be talking about it. Um, there have been multiple, you know, very high quality randomized control trials, which is kind of the gold standard for whether something works or not. And there have been several of these uh, randomized control trials, and they've shown that hydroxychloroquine has no benefit for treatment or prevention. Mm. So even though a certain president likes to promote this uh, and some of his supporters like to promote this, it's very clear uh, that there is no benefit to the drug. So it shouldn't be used to either treat 
treat somebody for COVID-19 or prevent it. It's very clear it doesn't work. Okay. So that concludes most of our interview about COVID-19, but we did get a few questions about your personal life that people wanted to know. Are you really serious? Yeah. So I got one DM asking, what is your, you're known as a cheese connoisseur. What is your favorite kind of cheese? Oh, I don't know that I have one favorite. It's hard to choose. It's hard to choose. There's so many good types of cheese and so what would you say is a top three top three cheeses if you could only eat three cheeses three for the rest cheeses, of your life, your rest of your life. I, I do like camembert i'm i like goat cheese i like a lot of different kind of cheeses i like you know i don't have like one favorite i like roquefort Okay, that's a top three. It's like kids. It's hard to choose. And yeah. There's so many good cheeses, especially like in France. I mean, it's just incredible. I do have one question. Are you friends with Dr. Fauci? Yeah. Have you met the Fauci? I think I've met him, but I'm not friends with him. What is he like? So you're friends. I don't really... No, I'm not friends with him, but I don't really know. I don't know him personally. I mean, I know him, prof- you know, pr- through professional means. Mm. Um. Do you think he's handled this well? You know, I think he's handled it as probably as best you can. I think, unfortunately, you know, he, you know, he says things that other people don't want to hear. And so he gets attacked. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a really bright guy. And, um, you know, I think he's he's trying to do the right thing. But Mm -hmm. it's it's very uh, challenging in the polarized world that we live in. That makes a lot of sense. We do know you are an avid listener of Cultural Reset, even though you aren't technically in the generation that it's for. But based off of last week's episode, we want to know as a scientist, do you believe in manifestation? Yeah, I don't really think so. So do you think we can manifest coronavirus away? No. There you have it. Uh, I think the president, the president has been trying to do that, and he keeps saying that it's going to go away, it's going to magically go away, and it, it hasn't gone away. So you're saying that as hard as we manifest COVID, it won't go away unless we have a vaccine? I don't think it's going to go away on its own. I think we're going to have to do things to try to suppress it, to limit the transmission. I mean, there's right now, you know, we don't have a lot of tools in our toolbox except public health measures. Uh, Again, the three W's, um, you know, wear a mask, uh, wash your hands, and watch your your distance or socially distance. So, you know, those are the things that we can do, and we know those things work. So as you know, on our show, we do not like other tweets. So you today, we're going to see if we can stump you today. Okay, this is actually one of my favorite parts of your show. Ours too. Well, we're happy to, as, as our first guest, you're the first person we get to see if we can stump. Okay. So Maddie, how about you read out the tweets we selected? Okay. So tweet number one, Julie Chen confirms Big Brother contestants were eliminated before filming due to positive coronavirus tests. Tweet number two, OnlyFans sees influx of users after potential TikTok ban. And tweet number three, Instagram launches Reels, its attempt to keep you off TikTok. Can you spot the fake tweet? Okay, so I'm supposed to pick out the false one. 
Yes. Okay, I'm going to go with three. Do you know what OnlyFans or Reels or Instagram is? Do you know what any of those I are? I know Instagram. Okay, do you know what I don't I don't know what Reels is. Is that their attempt to kind of mimic TikTok? I don't know. Do you know what OnlyFans is? No. If you had to guess what OnlyFans is, what would you say it is? I thought you said something about there's like more fans as they're training. No, there's a, a website called OnlyFans. Oh, see, I'm not, I didn't know that. So it's probably number two. I'll go with number two. You got it. Got Woo-hoo! it. <laughs> there is OnlyFans does exist. What is OnlyFans? I don't even know what OnlyFans is. Madeline? <laughs> it's a website. Um, it is a website where you can many post content. Can, you can post content and you can also sell photographs of yourself, sometimes with clothes on, sometimes without clothes on, and everyday people can make thousands of dollars doing this. And it's different. What does it have to do with TikTok? So a lot of people are TikTok famous. And so the idea between that fake tweet we came up with was people, if TikTok were to be canceled, a lot of TikTok influencers would need a new way to make money. Do you know what an influencer is? Yeah. Okay. I'm not that out of it. Just a little bit. Okay. So that was the idea behind it. Okay. The first one is true. I knew that first one was true. Yeah. Okay. Well, dad slash Henry slash Dr. Blumberg, thank you so much for being on Cultural Reset and being our first guest. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to say to our listeners? I would just like to say thank you, Maddie. And thank you, Aurora, for inviting me. It's been a real uh, honor and pleasure to be on this podcast. And I've really enjoyed listening to it. I've listened to your first two episodes. I also voted to give you a five. So you have really, a, you have a perfect. Um, oh, on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Yes, please make sure to review us. Rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. So anyway, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to be on your show. And again, I would just uh, emphasize, it's not that complicated. It's the three W's. Wash your hands. You need to, most importantly, wear a mask. And very importantly, watch your distance, mm. socially distance. So I think if you, if everybody did those three, we could get this thing under control. But um, it's going to take everybody working together. And I think, you know, we haven't had that happening, unfortunately. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay. So that's our show for today. Please make sure you're following us at Cultural Reset Pod on TikTok and Instagram. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. And tell your friends. But Cultural Reset also wants to remind you, if it wasn't abundantly clear after this episode, please wear a mask and ta-ta for now.